0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the Believe in New York football podcast presented by betonline.ag here. On the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. The NFL season is in full swing and you might not be at the game this year, but you could still be in on the action at Bet Online 7-5 and five week this week on the Believe in New York Football Podcast. Two units up on the weekend and we're always looking to improve on our 60-35-1 overall record courtesy of BetOnline.ag. From game spreads to totals to team player and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there is always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to BetOnline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's BetOnline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. What is up, everybody? How are we doing? I am your host, Steven Tino Rodriguez. As always, you can check us out on Apple Podcast, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and of course, the Believe website, com. like, download, rate, and subscribe, be sure to also follow us on Twitter, at NYFootballPod, as well as myself, at Tino Rodriguez, with a double underscore, another awesome episode of the New York Football Podcast, no big changes this week, the Giants were on a bye, the Jets are still winless, and as always... Benny Ricciardi is here as a part of the FTN Network and FTN Bets to help us sort through and break down the Week 12 gambling lines as we look for early value and try to continue to pump out winners for you guys. Yet again, another winning week, 60-35-1 show record, and it's only going to get better. We only pump out winners, winners, and winners on the Believe in New York football podcast. But let's start the show off with a big-time winner. And let's jump right into it with the Army Black Knights. And whoa, buddy, what a game this was on Saturday. If you didn't get a chance to see this game, I strongly suggest you watch the highlights. The same goes for the game I'm going to talk about after this in Rutgers. Another wild one down to the last second, the last play. Great college football this weekend. But first things first, Army takes down Georgia Southern. They won by one point, 28-27 after trailing 14-0 in the first and then 21-7 at halftime. And one of the worst halves I've seen Army play in recent memory. Tair Tyler. A lot was being talked about of him making his first start with the Black Knights. And it didn't exactly start out according to plan. The Army Black Knights opened with a 3-and-out. And then gift-wrapped 14 points for the Eagles by two Tyre Tyler fumbles. One was on the second drive on the 1-yard line. Which was pretty much a you know, head-first plunge for a 7 nothing lead. And then it followed on the second drive with another fumble on the read option by Tyler. And this one was returned 20 yards for the score. No need for the offense to step on the field. Tyler finished with three total fumbles. But after spotting 14 points for the Eagles, I will say the Black Knights put it behind them and battled back. And immediately, the ensuing drive, Army got right back on the board. Uh, 15 plays, 75-yard drive, capped off by a Shandon McCoy touchdown. Pretty much textbook what you would expect. From the Army Black Knights. But that's about all the success they had in the first half. And when I say it was two different teams. From the first to second half. It really was. And if you want to see why that was the case. Again look at the highlights. But look at Jeff Munkin's post game interview. On field after this game. The guy was in tears. By how motivated. And how ready to go. To come back. This Army Black Knights team was. And they were. They did exactly that. Black Knight stormed out, put together an 11-play touchdown drive. Again, essential, ground and pound, what you expect from this Army team. Cut the lead to seven. Then a huge, big-time play from one of the best special team units in the NCAA. And they didn't just make one big-time play. They would go on to make two. But Army followed that drive with a block punt that then gift-wrapped them seven points for a one-yard plunge with another McCoy touchdown. And now the game is tied. And then here comes Georgia Southern. You think they're wasting any time? No. Immediately answer. Four play. 75-yard TD drive. I mean, off the rip. And this game was so back and forth, I couldn't believe Army was back in. And then out of nowhere, Georgia's like, no thank you. We're taking the lead back. And then they missed the extra point. They missed the extra point. And not because of their own means. Not because of the kicker. Army blocked it. And again, The special teams unit, one of the best in the NCAA and Army getting the job done all over the field, especially when the offense couldn't get it going early on. But then the offense figured it out. And how did they answer Georgia Southern's immediate answer with an 18 play 70 yard drive and one of the most one of the biggest extra points of their season. And if you think that was the craziest part of the game, so Army has the lead by one point, it gets crazier. The Eagles have a chance to drive down the field and move the ball down the field. Get inside the 50 with time running out. And they decide to try to run a quarterback draw to get him in position. Or maybe it was just a sack. I couldn't exactly tell on the play design. But there was about 20 seconds left. They really could have done anything. They were close to the first down. And Army made the play. Collapsed a pocket. But then more importantly, they they sat on the quarterback. And they sat on the ball. And they didn't let him get up, in 20 seconds, and 30 seconds, whatever it was, wasted off the clock. By the time they get set, there's about 3 seconds left to snap and spike. He goes a little elongated, and it looked like there should have been 1 second left. But, on the field, they called the game was over. And after a review, it looked like there was 1 second left. But, they stood with the call on the field, no field goal was attempted, they did not credit him with that spike on time, and... Army pulled off a fast one. They played smart. They played discipline in the second half and made plays when they needed to. And now Army moves to 7-2, and two, undefeated at home, and will have all eyes in two weeks to focus on America's Game versus Navy. And granted, that was a sloppy victory. But a win is a win. And a win like that where you battle back is huge for this Army program especially after fumbling the bag on the road the last couple of weeks. So go Army, beat Navy. We'll check back up with them as updates come closer to the game. Again, we'll have two weeks before that game kicks off. But huge game coming up, Army rolling right now, momentum at an all-time high, and a lot of good things coming from this Army program right now. And speaking of good things coming from football programs and I throw the term good things loosely here because Rutgers as of a few years ago some would consider them the laughingstock of the Big 10 of college football of just football in general and my god have they turned a corner now yes they're still one and four but this is a different one and four football team this is a different four game losing streak they're on and I'll tell you why another wild game Rutgers came up short in triple overtime to the Michigan Wolverines in a game they should have won, 48-42, to lost their fourth game in a row. But like I just said, this is a different four-game losing streak. Definitely different than the ones in the past. Rutgers is out here balling and competing. And Greg Shiano's touch is rubbing off on this program. And I talk about it a lot with Joe Judge and just certain plays in the game that you could just see a different mentality and a different mindset of this team. And I think you could say the same for Sciano at Rutgers right now. The biggest indication for me was that two-point conversion, quarterback, draw call. And if you haven't checked it out, check the highlights. It's pretty much how regulation ended. It is how regulation ended for the most part. But the play call showed confidence from the coaching staff to the players. And just everyone as a collective unit to get the job done. And get the play that would force this overtime and keep Rutgers in the game. After they let the lead slip up. Rutgers had gone 16 plays, 70 yards on that drive. To cut the score to two with 30 seconds left. And the Scarlet Knights kept the ball in Nick Vedrill's hands, who was having one of his best games of the year. And it looked like the play wasn't going to get there at first, but behind a huge push of the offensive line and a good effort from Vedrill, they forced the overtime. And now the Scarlet Knights led and dominated for three quarters, led the game, and then led up 14 unanswered in the fourth, which turned the game sideways for them and made them have to come back. But like I just said, Vedrill played arguably his best game of the season with his only interception unfortunately coming as a deciding result in the third overtime in a pick in the end zone. But he still finished with nearly 400 yards, 381 passing, three TDs, and the pick, 29-43. But he made plays when he needed to with his legs, and although the results may not be there for Rutgers, the progress from a program standpoint is. And I can't speak highly enough about the quality of football the Scarlet Knights are putting on the field right now. Especially... Compared to years past. And they have another winnable game ahead of them. They hit the road. Face off against the Purdue Boilermakers. Who are on a losing streak of their own. Granted, they played Minnesota on the road. They lost a tough game against Northwestern at home. Northwestern obviously putting together a very good season of their own. That was only a 7 point game. But Minnesota not having a great year this year. So with that said... You don't know what team you're going to get out of Purdue, and you really don't know what team you're going to get from Rutgers. So I would not be surprised if this is another one-score game coming down to the wire with both of these teams trying to get off the snide that they're on right now. So another good game and competitive game to expect out of Rutgers and what should cap off a solid weekend for us, or at least a Thanksgiving week. We have football on Thursday. We're going to get college football Friday, Rutgers on Saturday, the Giants and Jets on Sunday. I mean, a fun-filled week here of football any football fans dream or could be a gambler's nightmare i mean it's gonna be pretty hard to even get to saturday we can't even bet the Rutgers game but point being by the time sunday comes around we're gonna be full of gambling full of food full of everything i mean a feast of football coming our way not like we're complaining but this is either really good or really bad for people that are in a hole right now so good luck to all of you out there we'll get more into that when benny gets on the show but let me ship you guys over to professional sports before we get into that discussion with Benny. And let's talk about the NFL team that we cover that was in action this weekend in the New York Jets. Not much has happened. The New York Jets still winless, but managed to come off the bye and were competitive, covering the spread for the second consecutive week. They lost 34-28 to against the Los Angeles Chargers, a six-point loss, easily covering. The Jets started hotter than hot. Blocking a punt and turning that into points on their first drive of the game. Capped off with a LaMichael Piran touchdown run. And the Jets were up 6-0 before the floodgates opened. Real quick, Piran suffered a high ankle sprain in this game. Might be headed to the IR. Not too encouraging of news. But again, Jets started the game encouraging. Up 6-0. But when I say the floodgates opened, they opened. The Jets would allow 24 unanswered points in the first half. And trail 24-6 to at halftime with one of those touchdowns surrendered being a pick six. But I will say, the Jets showed serious fight in the second half, which is something we are not used to. We usually see the Jets start relatively hot or compete in the first half as of late and just die in the second half. This time, that wasn't the case. New York came out and scored touchdowns on each of the first three possessions of the second half. And all of, all of them were relatively sound drives. I mean, really good drives. 7 for 74, 10 for 75, 9 for 75. Full drives there, 75 a clip on each drive. Pretty good, pretty sustainable. Uh, they couldn't pull it off at the end there. They just ran out of time, it appeared. But encouraging signs from the offense. With Flacco still being back there as a signal caller, Perriman looked solid again. Another big touchdown play to him turned out to be a pretty decent signing for them in the offseason. And Mims looked really well. Perriman, two catches for 51 yards, including a 49-yard touchdown. Mims caught three passes for 71 yards, team-high eight targets, and oh my god, Chris Herndon finally showed up. He scored the last touchdown for the Jets. He got his first touchdown of the season, caught two of his three targets for 32 yards. So some really positive signs from the Jets, despite the loss, despite them still having no wins. And what's next for the winless Jets? Do we see a win in the distant future here in the final six games? Well... They're going to take on the Fitzmagic-led Miami Dolphins with no clear answer if Sam Darnold's shoulder is going to have him ready to go for Sunday, but they will head back home, which is nice. Now, whether the Jets are going to compete with this unpredictable Dolphins team is beyond me, but they surely will have to do better than when they got shut out by them on the road in Miami by Fitzmagic in what ended up being Tua's first appearance in a game, so You will have to monitor whether or not Tua is going to start or it's going to be Fitzmagic. I don't think it changes much in regards for how the Jets are going to come out. But right now, the offense seems to be figuring it out a little bit. And as crazy as it sounds, maybe they could sneak one out here towards the end of the season, maybe, based on the success that they've been having per drives, if they can complete second halves. But they're seven-point dogs at home against the Miami Dolphins. And we'll definitely have an uphill battle because aside from the Dolphins and ending with the Patriots, those division games, they have the Raiders are on the road against the Seahawks and the Rams and then play the Browns. I don't see any of those four middle teams being wins. So this would be a key game that the Jets need to snag if they don't plan on ending the season 0-16. But I digress. And let's move on from a team who probably won't win this weekend to one who probably should. And coming off their bye, with eyes onto Cincinnati, we're going to talk about the New York football Giants. And Big Blue had a pretty eventful bye week, to say the least. Last week, I was on here Tuesday talking about how we had COVID news to worry about. The next day, Joe Judge fired Mark Colombo, our offensive line coach. And then come Sunday, Eagles lost, Cowboys won, and Washington won, now creating essentially a four-way tie for first, three-way tie for second if you break it down. But let's start with the news on Colombo, because I touched on it on Believe in Betting Chicago, I touched on it in Clapback Sports, but I didn't get to address it on this show. And let's skip the part of the fake news. The whole idea of the fistfight, let's just throw that out. I'm not going to circle back and recap that. But let's talk about the information that matters and what this means for the team as a whole moving forward. From the information I've gathered on the situation, it seems that Colombo did not want to rotate Offensive lineman, that being Pert for Fleming or Thomas, or even Lemieux for Will Hernandez. And alongside that was disagreements on technique being taught to guys, to certain guys. And I believe that's probably more said for the rookies. I don't think Colombo was doing his part to make sure that the next guy up would be ready and able to perform his best on the field. And now, in Judge's own words from his press conference, he stated... The move was made in the best interest of the Giants, short and long term. And Colombo has said he believes he got fired for standing up for his guys, but I don't buy it. I think he was strongly against getting these young guys coached up to get involved on the offensive line this year. If he was against the rotation, that means he was against getting these rookies on the field. And if he's not coaching them up well enough to put them in a position to succeed when their numbers were called and teaching technique to Andrew Thomas early in the season that was crippling his game and you were fighting to get Matt Pert on the field and you're still not doing that, if you're not giving Judge what he's expecting or what he wants and you're not getting the best out of the players, this is what's going to happen. Everyone is on notice. Judge plans on playing all of his guys and seeing what they have to offer this year. He plans to compete. They don't even talk about division. They don't talk about Super Bowl. They're looking to improve and put the best product on the field that they can. And a lot of that has to do with getting their guys out there and seeing what we have to offer. And to be honest, I wasn't exactly sold on the rotation. But over the last three weeks, and even further than that at this point, it has worked and benefited this team significantly, especially in terms of running the ball. And in terms of having Danny protected enough to not turn the ball over. So I have no issue with the move. And I think this storyline is going to blow over once the Giants come out and set the tone against Cincy. And speaking of Cincy, so sad that they lost number one overall pick in the franchise quarterback in Joe Burrow for at least a year with both MCL and ACL injuries. I mean, that hit was nasty. I saw it live. I thought his leg was broken. I thought it was something along the lines of Kyle Allen... To Alex Smith-ish. It happened in Washington. But that's something you wish on no player. But now the Giants will have the game plan for backup Ryan Finley. Who could barely move the ball or do anything against Washington. And I'm sure Cincinnati's coaching staff is going to put something together to slow down the game for him a bit. But no Burrow. No Mixon. I don't know what the Cincy offense has. And Washington was able to move the ball against their defense without much of an issue. Finley, yes, has experience from starting for an injured Dalton last season, but he didn't really do much out of that. So the Giants and Judge will be the first to tell you there's no way they're looking past the Bengals, and we shouldn't. But there is things we want to look for to gain ground on in terms of this matchup. And I guess not gain ground. Obviously, we want to gain ground in the division, but in terms of answering the bell and answering the call, I want to put the offensive line stuff behind us. Good showing from the O-line. Keep Danny clean. Keep the run game going. Judge was in charge most of the time when this team was successful anyways in terms of the offensive line. But now we're bringing in Davey G as our new offensive line coach. He was Judge's second in line for the offensive line position before the season. Colombo got it because he was Garrett's guy. But now Judge is getting his guys in here. And he's going to have his team ready to go. So, to be honest, we're in a really good spot in terms of coming off the bye getting players off the IR and yet dealing with COVID in an ideal matchup here for the Giants. There's pressure, but there's not too much pressure in terms of what since he's going to put on the field with the product of athlete that they have right now. No starting quarterback, no starting running back. So it's a really good situation, especially for the defensive guys coming back in terms of McKinney, O'Shane, and Tay Crowder. Now, I think Tay might be a closer call for a game-time decision. Same thing with really all of them. They have to get on the field and really get the green light to go. But if they do get that green light to go and they're all in line to come back for Sunday, this is a really good game for them to get their legs under them and really warm up and get to the groove of this defense. Another real quick thing to note, I mentioned COVID, but of course, special teams, yes, it's judges' strength and strong suit. But it's going to be a weakness for us on Sunday with no Gano, probably no Dixon. We're also without Caden Smith and Matt Perk. Those guys are more offensively, but no punter, no kicker. Dixon had a gigantic game against Philly. Gano even bigger. So keep an eye out for special teams on Sunday. But the Giants enter this game as favorites for only the second time this season. As five and a half point favorites here in a very, favorable matchup but now I'm going to get you guys ready for my discussion with Benny Ricciardi Benny joins me as he does every week courtesy of the FTN network and FTN bets and we will go through and break down the full week 12 slate of games including the three on Thanksgiving and as we always do we will help extract value and find profit for you guys in these early lines and help you know where the early lean should be To help you guys get some more money in your pocket for the holiday season. No losing record since Benny has been on. The pressure has been on for weeks. We refused to have a losing weekend. Yet again, another winning week, like I said, to open the show. 7-5. and A big Thursday and a big Sunday ahead of us. So without further ado, here he is, Benny Ricciardi. Right now, I have the great pleasure of introducing. I'm happy to have you back, Benny. You can follow him at Benny R11. How are you doing, my friend? How's everything looking after this weekend? Are you staying afloat?
1: Yeah, I you know I had a I had a up and down weekend, but the good thing is I hit the big bet of the weekend, which was the. the teaser that we were talking about last week with the chargers who were an absolute lock leg of the teaser. And like I said, as much as I hate the jets, I wasn't about to lay eight and a half with them, but that was, uh, you know, that was what it was. The teaser hit. That was the better part of it. And then, um, we argued last week, remember this, the Steelers and the, and the chiefs who the better leg of the teaser was. And I told you of those two teams, which one has a better chance of losing. And to me, it was the chiefs. That's why I went with the Steelers. I also took the chiefs too for a smaller amount, but I was right. My,
0: my defense, my defense was that I'm not saying it's like that they didn't have the better chance. It's just that I knew the Chiefs weren't losing, and despite betting the Raiders the entire time, I'm like, it's coming, it's coming, mm-hmm. it's coming, it's coming. And That was so easy. The ending of that game was so anticlimactic. They scored. Oh, yeah, like you knew. Points.
1: Yeah, you knew they were scoring. I mean, they went. I think it was seven plays, 75 yards in, like, 75 seconds. That's the, it's, it's, vintage, it's just vintage Kansas City at this point, which is the cool thing about betting on the Chiefs because you have Patrick Mahomes. That's, that's, I mean, that's why he's the GOAT right now.
0: Well, so I told the people before we got on, I remind them as much as possible. We're still afloat, still a winning record each week you've been on, and I plan on keeping it this way, but Thanksgiving looks – Like, just pandemonium right now. Uh, This could either be really good or really bad for everyone who just muscled through the weekend. And immediately, starting at 1230, not 1 o'clock, you know, this used to be a good uh, Thanksgiving Eve game. You used to go out for Thanksgiving Eve. You'll be hungover. You have to barely set your fantasy lineup in time. And you're just like, oh, shit, the Lions are playing the Bears. This time, the Lions will host the Houston Texans. The Lions just got smoked on the road they were a shell of themselves they were missing most of their key players other than Stafford and are expected to have some of those guys back two and a half point dogs at home against Houston pulled off a big time home upset against the New England Patriots barely held on but held on nonetheless two point favorites minus 124 on the money line over under is 51 and a half Benny I want to bet the Lions they're they're a Thanksgiving team I want to I really do I don't trust the Texans. Tell me why I'm either right or wrong.
1: No, you are correct. The Lions is the side right here. What, what's the number you have on it?
0: Two and a half plus yeah. 104 on the money line.
1: Yep, that's what I, that's what I have too here. So listen, when, you, when I actually run these two teams through my numbers, right? Like, don't get me wrong, Detroit is bad. They're not as bad as losing 20 to nothing last week to Carolina when they were missing, you know, Swift and Galladay and all that stuff. I have, the, I have them as about a point and a half to two points worse than Houston. So once we factor in home field, you're, you're basically looking at a point, half a point in the Houston direction there. So that means that minus two and a half, there is a little bit of value there on the Detroit side. If, if you're going to bet this game, you're not getting the full three. So the way to bet it is taking the home dog on the money line. I, I don't think you're wrong. That's the way to do it.
0: Yeah, for sure. It would get your day started with an underdog win. Would love that. You always got to throw together a Thanksgiving parlay. We'll put that together in the three legs uh, when we're all done with this. But to Detroit real quick, DeAndre Swift's supposed to be back. I think that's a vital part of their offense now. AP just on his last legs at this point. And Swift is truly a difference maker. I think he's come on for them. Stafford without Galladay, just without a running game. Looked really, really bad last week. I can't see that continuing. Against, again, Houston can't stop a nosebleed. A- and Detroit will at least want to run the ball. I think that could work to their advantage. The over-unders at 51 and a half. I don't know what Houston team on offense we're going to get. Deshaun Watson went off last Huge. week against New England. Huge. And off. Yeah. But it hasn't always been like that. He's been steady, but he used his legs. He was using his arm. Now, is this the start of a Deshaun Watson going off party into the playoffs for anyone who has Watson as their quarterback you know are the Texans just going to score a bunch of points I don't know Detroit's defense doesn't scare you I kind of like the over but with that said I'm going to bet the under because it's the first game on Thanksgiving and I think I mind fucked myself on the Texans there so under I like the over so much I'm betting the under here
1: so here's, here's the way I'll throw it out there, right? One of the things I look at when I'm, when I am betting overs and unders, Now I don't have a model for overs and unders. I'm just doing it, you know, just off the, off of what I'm talking here with these numbers. Both of these offenses are about middle of the pack for, um, you know, DVOA, which is basically a stat that kind of, you know, tries to even everything out against a league average team. So looking at the numbers, these are both league average offenses, but they're both going up against two of the, like, bottom seven defenses in the league. And that's the thing. A league average offense against a bad defense is going to put up some numbers sometimes. So, for me, if I'm leaning either way in this game, A, because it's going to be Thanksgiving and I'm going to be sitting around waiting for the turkey to get done while I'm watching because I think this is the first game. Yeah. And B, because just looking at the numbers here as well, um, to me, the over is the side you want to be on here.
0: I love the over. You love the over. And that's why I'm terrified of it. I'm going to wake up in the morning. See, it's 1230. I'm going to be like, why are there no points scored? I'm going to be like, it's Thanksgiving. It's 1230. No one wants to play football right now. Nobody wants to play football. No one on Detroit wants to play football. I don't think either team does. I mean, their seasons are pretty much toast anyway, so I don't know why you'd keep showing up. Let's continue, though. In a matchup of the NFC Least, this will pretty much be a Loser leaves town game uh, with A three-way tie for second place in the East right now. You might as well call it first place. The Eagles have a tie. You have the Washington Foreskins travel to Dallas and take on the Dallas Cowboys. Washington is a three-point dog. Dallas is favorite. (laughs) <laughs> That's all I'm gonna say. Dallas is favorited, should, and Washington is plus one twenty-seven on the money line over under forty-six.
1: This game, this game opened at two and a half in a lot of places, so I already bet Dallas because I was getting the the hook there on the three. Mm-hmm. Dallas is one of the toughest teams to kind of break down this year because you look at Dallas early in the year, right? Early in the year, they had Dak Prescott. The offense was putting up massive numbers. layton Van Der Esch was hurt. The defense was giving up massive numbers. It, it was a very, like, you know, very different team than what it is right now. And Then you go to the middle of the year when they had, like, Ben DiNucci and, uh, you know, Garrett Gilbert the last couple games here as their quarterbacks. When those guys were quarterbacking, like, yeah, they were going to get killed in those games. Like, those guys are not even, like, league average NFL quarterbacks. They're below average. Like, those are guys that you actually – you know, we talked about this. Like, do you even take points away from their, you know, the, the standard because these guys are so, so much below it? Andy Dalton is a former starting quarterback in this league. Like Andy Dalton does not suck. But Andy Dalton played for the Cincinnati Bengals for so long that he was basically only in one system for his entire career. So now he's coming over here. People were like, oh, that first game Dalton was out there. He looked like trash before he got hurt. And you're right. I mean, there's no defending it. He didn't look good. But it's also a guy out there for the first time in a new system in the middle of a season, you know, having only taken all the snaps with the first team for like a week after an injury, Like, there were reasons why he didn't look all that good in that game. Andy Dalton is not going to win you a Super Bowl, but he's a serviceable NFL quarterback. And they do have elite wide receivers. They have, honestly, two very good running backs right now. So there's a lot of things about this team that I think is not bad. And then the other thing that people are underestimating is getting back Leighton Van Der Esch. So they got back their best linebacker. And the defense has actually looked better. Now, are they a great defense? Are they going to shut people down? Not good teams, but this is the Redskins. It's not like we're talking uh, – yeah. you know, they're not going up against Kansas City Chiefs this week. This is Alex Smith, Tyree McLaurin, who's pretty good, a couple decent running backs, but like, you know, J.D. McKissick's like their number two wide receiver right you know right now. So there's a lot of reasons not to like this Washington team. At the three, I don't know if I would play it, but I got the hook at two and a half earlier in the week, so I did play it.
0: So Dallas has played them 10 times on Thanksgiving. Dallas has won nine of those 10 times, one of those times coming in 2012 for that one time, coming in 2012 for the Washington team, 38 to 31. That was only a seven-point game. Last three games have been decided by eight points or less. Actually, last four games have. So I could see it kind of being a similar situation. To that, I think Washington definitely will hang around. I don't know if the three is enough. Maybe if I got three and a half. And Alex Smith hasn't looked half bad. I think he can manage this game well enough against this Cowboys defense to put them in a position to maybe win at the end. Maybe the three will be enough. If I can get the hook, if it goes up on Thanksgiving Day to three and a half, I kind of like that number a little bit more. I don't know if it will. But something tells me this game is going to be really close until the end.
1: So let me throw something in here because this is an interesting point that you brought up. I was actually talking on, uh, on, on my um, YouTube show this week about the difference between Andy Dalton and Alex Smith. So Andy Dalton is obviously a downgrade from Dak Prescott, right? But that's not really a knock on Andy Dalton because I still have him as like a three on my um, adding three points to a point spread. But I have Dak as somebody who adds more like six or six and a half. So it's a downgrade for Dallas that you're going down to Andy Dalton, even though Andy Dalton is arguably the best backup quarterback in the NFL. On the other hand, Alex Smith, to me, is actually an upgrade over Dwayne Haskins earlier in the year. They have played better under Alex Smith these last couple weeks. So to me, I actually upgraded my Washington Redskins ranking because of Alex Smith, the backup quarterback, as opposed to Andy Dalton, the best backup quarterback in the league. I actually think Alex Smith is worth more to his team now than Andy Dalton is to his team, if that makes sense.
0: Definitely makes sense. I see where you're going at with that. And Dallas's offense looked good against Minnesota. I mean, not great. I, th- I still think the difference in that game was that Tony Pollard run uh, just broke out a 50-yard running. Pretty much turned the game sideways. But we'll continue to move forward here. To Baltimore at Pittsburgh here. Pittsburgh, four-point favorites at home. The Ravens, plus 185 on the money line. Over-under is 45, another low over-under. So we talked about this before we got on, Benny. Baltimore. A lot of COVID cases, apparently, if there's any more COVID cases, this game might even ultimately yeah. just be moved or canceled or whatever. But with all that said, if it does play and everything goes according to plan, we see this line probably shooting up higher. I like Pittsburgh at minus four. If it did shoot up higher, kind of like them either way. And that's just kind of crazy to say, because every time I've said that, I'm pretty sure I've eaten my words on the line. But uh, – I like Pitt minus four here, and even if it trends up to even like six, seven, I still like the Steelers. I like the Steelers to win out right here. Benny, where do you sit on this?
1: Yeah, I mean, when I ran my numbers, like these are the number three and number four teams in my power rankings right now. So it's basically about a half a point between the two of them in my, uh, my power rankings. And then you give Pittsburgh the home field advantage there. You're looking at like a point and a half to two points was the number that I have on this game it did open at 3 you mentioned all the covid stuff like i don't know how to handicap coronavirus like i, I don't I, I don't know who's going to wind up not playing like that's when i make bets man i want to try to make bets on things that i am pretty sure are going to happen that's that's the point i have no idea what's going to happen here all i know is at this point if you want pittsburgh which i think is the side i want you bet it right now because the more of these names that start coming out or the more guys who had close contact with somebody who tested positive, like you may wind up with like five practice squad players from the Baltimore Ravens playing in this game and seeing guys scoring touchdowns that you have no idea who they are. And if you play any DFS out there, like this is the easy way to get some cheap exposure in one of those games for Thanksgiving Day slate, because there's going to be one or two guys that are like in this lineup that are going to get touches that are going to be like, you know, $4,000 on whatever site you're playing or something.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's a really good point. Uh, we talked about we're not going to get too into this just in case, but I do lean Pittsburgh in this game, and I just think they're going to uh, treat it very seriously. Baltimore is falling fast right now. They could have, should have, would have beat the Titans, Titans forced overtime, beat them on a Derrick Henry run. They're two losses away. If they lose to Pittsburgh, they're staring at they've 500. Lost,
1: they've lost three of their last four right now. They started the season. What, what's their record? Did they started the season. Six like four. Should be six four. They were like – What five and one, and then they've lost three of the last four. Like, that's not good,
0: not great. And seeing Pittsburgh, one of those losses was to Pittsburgh, uh, seeing them again, not fun, especially with the division on the line. Although Pittsburgh's completely running away with it at this point, it's hard to say it's on the line. Let's move over to Sunday. Some games we know that will happen, and this is a matchup that a lot of people are looking forward to because they're two quarterbacks that kind of mimic each other. You have the Los Angeles Chargers, plus five and a half on the road in Buffalo against the Bills, plus 210 on the money line. Over/under is at 53 and a half. I see the over getting crushed in this game. I think they're just going to air it out. Uh, the Bills coming off a bye, the Chargers barely getting by the Jets. They didn't cover their spread, but that's something we were both a little worried of—a little too high. They're a team that can't win by more than eight points, and the line was at eight and a half, and that's pretty much exactly what happened. They took a safety, anyways, at the end of the game there. Um, but the eight and a half wouldn't have covered regardless. The Chargers are very unpredictable. We talk about this all the time, Benny, and we bet on quarterbacks here. My favorite play in this is going to be the over because I want to see both these guys go off. Um, if I had to pick the Bills off a bye, it's hard to think they're not going to win by a touchdown. Although the Chargers, again, keep it close.
1: Yeah, um, honestly, I don't think so. And yeah. here's, this is a real interesting game. I'm glad you started with this one, too. So let's start with the total first, right? Like, again, I play sides a lot more than I play totals, but this is a total that I have at 56. It opened Mm -hmm. the week at 53, creeped up a little bit already, right? You said 53 and a half, I think, when you were reading those numbers? Yes, sir. Um, So like I said, I have it at 56, so I still think there's two and a half points of value here, which would be worth a bet for me. Like, that's that's something that I'm interested in. I agree with you. I think the Chargers have played, what, like seven games in a row that have gone over. Um, I actually have the numbers right here. What is it? Yeah, seven in a row that went over for the Chargers. And then even if you look at Buffalo on the other side, Buffalo is seven and two to the over, seven, two and one to the over as well. So these are two of the teams that play more over games than anybody else in the league right now. Yep. And even at 53, like I don't think that's too high of a number. But yo, here's the interesting thing to me. On the other side, if we're looking at the sides here, in my power rankings, I have the Chargers about a minus three. And I have Buffalo at about two and a half. So that'd be five and a half right there. Buffalo's at home, so you get up close to seven. And Buffalo's coming off a bye. So I actually have this number at like seven and a half to eight for Buffalo. And I'm seeing it in a lot of places at five and a half. That's what you read out, right?
0: Yeah, Online has it at five and a half. Under the six is great. And I think that's a huge key number for the Chargers. It's six, seven for them. They really yeah. just can't get a game decided by anything other than six, seven, or eight. And if you get that lower than that, uh, that's a sweet spot for me.
1: Yeah, I like I like Buffalo at five and a half. And here's, here's the other thing I wanted to talk about here too. Some people don't like taking a number like five and a half, right? And
0: mm-hmm.
1: when you look at um, whatever a spread is, the money line has a relationship to what that spread is. So if you think the spread's too low, you should probably also think the money line's too low because that's the way that it's there. So if you don't like that five and a half because of all these close games that the Chargers keep losing but still playing in and keeping them close – the money line, there's value there. Even though like people look at 245 and you go, like, oh, how is there value at 245? Like, again, it's a it's a derivative of the spread. So if you think there's value on the spread, like I do, like it should be seven and a half or eight. That means that there's definitely value on the money line too, because the money line is derived off of whatever the spread is there. So don't be afraid to take that minus 245 because I think that number, you'll hear people say this, like that number short. I think that number's short. I think it should be closer to 280 or 300.
0: So, I don't cross a zero, too, by the way. I was going to say, if this gets up to six, this is going to be one of my favorite teaser games. Just turn it into a pick 'em, and then I get the bills on a pick 'em. So, that's something that we won't get to yet because I won't cross it, not even for a half. Not no, going to do it.
1: Not before, and, and honestly, even I a little bit, I don't love this game as a teaser game. And I'll explain why when we get to like the Miami and New York Jets game here. There's a lot of easier.
0: There's a lot of easier.
1: Well, that's exactly what it is. It's like, dude, you don't get style points for hitting a teaser, right? You don't, there's no extra style points on the bet you make. It's like, you don't have to try to be the one guy who said this team was going to win. Like, that's just dumb. Like the idea is to make money. I want to, I want to take the easy the easy bet. Like, give easy me the easy bet. Give me a team like Miami playing the Jets, who I know can't win a football game. It's <laughs> <laughs> a lot. Yeah. Like, you know. We're going to get
0: to that game. But, my God, if they don't win this week, it's looking real bad. Owen <laughs> 16 is on the horizon.
1: Dude, plus 400, I'm in. I'm in. I already got yeah, the
0: bet. Is that plus 400? I'm going to re bet it. No no,
1: no, 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 no. I don't know what it's probably way lower. I bet it a couple It has weeks. to
0: be way lower.
1: I'm going to say at this point, it might even be like plus 250. I got it
0: at plus 300, I think, three weeks ago. So it's got to be
1: way lower. I did it as like a joke a while back. I threw a hundred bucks because I'm talking about it on a podcast, and somebody's like, You won't bet that against your favorite team? I said, Hell yeah, I will. So I threw a hundred bucks on it while we were there, like totally thinking I just pissed away a hundred bucks, but yo, I got a shot right now.
0: I've been talking get jets won't win a game since like week six and i was just like i don't want to say it i don't want to be a pessimist i don't want to be the guy and i love that now it's just like oh it's happening there's no preventing it it's happening oh, they're not getting I, I,
1: you, know, you want to hear the funny thing if you go back and listen to some of these like preseason stuff bro i was arguing with fellow jet fans on twitter that, that thought the jets were gonna have like be like a playoff team this year I'd uh, say, like, if we win six, I'd be, like, I'd be like, oh my God, this is amazing. And we're not even going to get close to six. And I thought I was like, you know, half joking. Because I think they were like seven, seven or seven and a half or something. Like they yeah. had a pretty decent number, I think, this year. I Am thought I they could get to six.
0: I, I was convinced there was a chance. I didn't know how good the Dolphins were going to be. and
1: Well, that's the thing is everybody thought the Patriots were going to suck. The Dolphins exactly. were going to suck. And like nobody really believed in Buffalo. Like people were like, all right, Buffalo's going to be the better, the best team in the division. But. I don't think people believed in Buffalo before the season like they believe in Buffalo now.
0: Yeah, I mean, they're proving it, and that's a good way to end that game. I love Buffalo at minus five and a half. If it goes up to six, I'll stay away from it in the teaser, but I might not. <laughs> I'll let you know what I decide. It's not going to be easy. You're right. I should listen to your advice. The I just charge, gotta stop.
1: Listen, dude, the Chargers can beat them. I, I don't think they're going to, but they can. All right, I'll just put the, I'll put the over. I don't the over. think the Jets can beat Miami.
0: I can go crazy here. You, you know something I've been doing, and this is just way off topic, but I've been doing a, re, a reverse teaser every week as well, a four-leg reverse just because the odds are just absolutely insane, you know, just because why not?
1: So reverse. I think you're, you're talking about the ones where instead of, like, giving six, you have to add six to it. Exactly, yes. Yeah, they call it, so there's some places in Vegas that have those. They've been around for a while. They call them pleasers. It's like the opposite of a teaser. It's a pleaser. Nice. Yeah.
0: Well, I like to do it with totals. So I started doing it when so this line's at fifty-three and a half. You like it at fifty six. What's to say I bring it up to fifty nine and a half? They're not gonna score sixty. You know?
1: There's so, something like that in there. So I will say this, you're you're playing it the smart way. Hmm. Because um those points are worth less to a total than they are to a side. Yep. So the smart it, it's the opposite of a teaser. In a the teaser, they're worth more to a side than they are to a total, which is why we don't I don't tease overs and unders. I tease teams um but in a pleaser it's the opposite because there's st- well there it's the same that they're still worth less to a total but mm-hmm. now in a pleaser you want them to be on that side so you're like you're better off picking totals than sides if you're doing pleasers
0: i always write our teaser of the show down and i'm just going to write my pleaser
1: i think we just confused the shit out of a whole bunch of people out there but these are actual like betting i've been told that people
0: struggle to follow along sometimes on this show and what they don't realize is i don't even know what i'm saying half the time benny we just go we just go baby
1: i mean i try listen i try to break it down as easy as possible right like i told everybody the first time i did it like you know my power rankings are based off a whole bunch of stats that i if i tried to get into that stuff people would be lost but basically the idea is that you know every team you can you can compare every team to a league average team and you basically just get the league average by adding up all the numbers for all 32 teams and dividing by 32 and then that's the league average team and then if you take whatever a certain team's you know stats are whatever the stats that you're looking at and compare it to that league average you get how much better or worse than league average they are a team like the jets is going to be well below league average a team like the chiefs is going to be high above and then once you know how far above or below they are that's how you do your power rankings. That's how you rank them. So, the teams at the top, like the Chiefs, they get the highest number in the power rankings. The teams at the bottom, like the Jets, they get the lowest number. And then, once you have all 32 teams in there, then you just start doing the numbers to see where the spread should land.
0: And fantastic. So, now that you segued into the Jets, the Jets are home underdogs here at 1 p.m. on Sunday. Six and a half points on bet online. That's plus 100 for plus six and a half, minus 120 for minus six and a half in favor of the Dolphins there. Minus 280 on the money line. Over under is 44. The Miami Dolphins, do we know if Fitz is definitely taking over? Is Tua potentially coming back? Do we like them either way? The answer is yes because they shut out the Jets 24-0 and both of them actually played in that game and it didn't matter at all. So, Benny, I like the Dolphins here, especially under a touchdown. Just talk me up to this teaser and just let me know why the Dolphins are the side to be on.
1: So I actually have the Dolphins. My number here, Um, the Dolphins are slightly better than league average. So I have them at like half a point better than league average, which makes sense. They're not a very, very good team, but they're not a bad team either. So they're a little above league average. The Jets are the lowest team in my power ranking. They are so bad that they are eight and a half points worse than a league average team. And when you put those two things together, that gives you a number of nine. You subtract home field advantage, which is about a point to a point and a half. I actually think this should be Miami by like seven and a half to eight points. So you're on the six and a half. You said that, that um, Miami minus six and a half was minus one twenty, right? Correct. Yeah. So this is probably yeah. minus seven. Right. So it's probably a, like it's probably like minus six point seven five. It's almost it's almost to the seven, but they just juiced up to six and a half right there. Um, that's really what that means if you guys see, because normally everything's minus one ten. So if you see a minus one twenty that means it's probably closer to the next number up. And if you see like a minus 105, that means it's probably closer to whatever the next number to the downside is there. Mm -hmm. But again, if I have Miami by seven and a half, I don't think six and a half is a bad bet. I don't want to take it really. Like I'm not, it's a small edge, right? So I don't want to like force that bet this week. Cause I think the better thing to do is just tease Miami down to half a point because I don't think the Jets can beat Miami. So all Miami has to do is win. If they win, they're going to win by at least one point. You tease it down to a half right there. To me, that's the best way to play this game. So I actually like my Miami teaser like a lot. I didn't play it straight, but if I was going to, my numbers tell me I actually should be on the Miami side because you're getting half a point, and my numbers say you should be giving up half a point to a full point.
0: So the Jets fought really hard last week. They fought really hard, just about as hard as they could. They scored three touchdowns to come out of half on three consecutive drives, which is insane when you put it – up against games in the second half that they had earlier this season where they accumulated about nine total yards. So big performance from the Jets. They seem to be rolling on offense behind Flacco a little bit, Benny. I'd love to hear your take on that. But one thing on the Dolphins real quick, they let a lot of people down. I don't know the percentage of the public that was on the Dolphins last week, but I know it was a lot oh,
1: big. Yes, big. and
0: yeah. they faltered. All the numbers said the Dolphins, and they just let down a big egg. They're actually really good against the spread, but that was a big-time letdown. Benny, no faith in Joe Flacco here? You don't think he could will this offense together?
1: That's my my fellow uh, ass-kicking chicken, Fighting Blue Hen, University of Delaware alumni. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I don't really have a lot of faith in it here. I mean, listen, <laughs> again, like, like I said before, I I I bet on things that I think are very likely to happen. Like that's that's how you win money, you know? I'm not not trying to get style points here. The Jets don't have any wins this year. Lamichael Pirine may not play this week, which is something else I I just read Yeah, so they're back to Frank Gore. If you take the fact that this is the Jets out of it, here's what I'm gonna say to you. You have a team whose starting quarterback and starting running back are both out this week. You know what I'm saying? They traded away. Three key pieces of their defense, and didn't bring in like other guys that were better. Just like traded them away for like other things that didn't, you know what I'm saying, like for draft picks and stuff like that. So you can't imagine that this 0-10 team has gotten any better with a backup quarterback, a backup running back, and literally like backup pieces in, you know, the uh, the middle of the defensive line and their linebacking core. So Mm -hmm. I I don't see, and again, and Miami just beat them like three weeks ago. It was like 24-0. Yes. So I, I just don't see any way that this makes sense to not give a lot of respect to Miami winning this game, even on the road in this game.
0: Yeah, in that game, Tua made his debut because although it was 24 nothing, the Jets couldn't do anything. They actually did not settle for the field goal, which I think was the more commending thing to do. They didn't take the field goal. They went for the touchdown and just ate the shutout. If they got the three points, would it have really mattered? They still would have got their ass kicked. Let's move forward. And we have a division rivalry game, first place on the line. I think they're meeting for the second time in three weeks. The Tennessee Titans, fresh off a six-point underdog win over the Baltimore Ravens, are three-and-a-half-point dogs on the road for another week against the Indianapolis Colts, who are three-and-a-half-point favorites and pulled off a big-time, not an upset, I think for a lot of betters and people I talk to, The Packers were a sexy underdog bet last week, and the Colts held up in Mm -hmm. overtime. The line was at two and a half. It was a good line for a field goal game there. They were good both ways. A plus 170 on the money line here. The Colts annihilated Tennessee in terms of what the box score looked like the last time these two were out. Over-under is at 51. Benny, I like betting the Titans after I was all over them last week against the Ravens. Uh, Three and a half, you're getting the hook in a game, I think that'll probably be close throughout for the most part. The Colts ran away with it. It was a closed game, and then they just put the stamp of approval on it. I like the Titans, but am I looking past the Colts for a second straight week?
1: I mean, the funny thing is I am right on market with this game. So I have Indy as two points better than Tennessee on my power rankings. You add in home field advantage, you're going to wind up somewhere around three and a half. So, like, my number is exactly on market. And I think the market on this game was absolutely right because it hasn't moved all week, not a half a point up, not a half a point down. This has been three and a half since the open. I, you know, you see it juiced up in one or two spots, but I think that was more just because they were trying to balance out a big bet on one side or the other that came in. But this line has not moved three and a half is where it should be. Now for the sake of the show, if I have to pick a side, I'm going with Indy in this one. I mean, they're home. They they won the last game between these two teams this is the thing that's interesting about this game, Steve, you're looking at Tennessee has the third ranked offense in the league. Indy has the fourth ranked defense. So it's strength, burst, strength on that side of the ball. On the other side of the ball, Tennessee's defense is atrocious right now. They got a whole bunch of injuries. Teams are just tearing them up on you know, doing whatever they want. And Indy's offense is on the improve. Michael Pittman in there. He's a hell of a wide receiver. Like you know, they look legit. they're They're getting all three of the tight ends involved. All three of those guys are healthy. They're getting all three of the running backs involved all all of those guys are being at least a little productive, even though we hated for fantasy as a, as an overall unit they're being productive for you know for Indianapolis so I mean to me, and these decide you want to be on here.
0: yeah, the Colts are using three running backs right now. Pittman Jr. is coming alive despite them still not giving him that many targets. He's really making the most out of uh, the opportunities they give him, and he actually had his biggest game against the Titans that was two weeks ago. he had a coming out party off their bye week so I like the Colts. Don't love them. The Titans won me some money last week, so I kind of, it's a recency bias. I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be close. I like the hook. I think it's going to be close. Let's move on to 4 p.m. We have the five-and-a-half-point Taysom Hill-led favorite Saints, minus 260 on the money line, on the road against the Denver Broncos that we just mentioned destroyed the Publix team last week. In the Miami Dolphins really handled that game from start to finish. Uh, five and a half point dogs at home. Home dogs for the second straight week. Plus 220 on the money line. Over-unders at 43 and a half here. What are your thoughts on the Saints? Now, I, I like it. this because it's under, the, it's under the six right here. I feel like that's the side it should be on. But the Saints are not great on the road. But is it Drew Brees who's not great on the road? What's your feeling on this Saints-led team? Did you see enough last week that you feel confident in them?
1: I do. I... So I made some adjustments to my, number, my numbers with uh, Taysom Hill in there. And I, I got to say, I don't know if I completely trust them because they're a little bit, they're a little bit off from what the, the public seems to be on here by a wide margin, right? And it's tough because, again, we have basically one game of Taysom Hill as a quarterback to kind of draw on here. And with only one game, that's a small sample size. You, you want to be careful with what you have here but I still have the saints as one of the top teams in my power rankings because their defense is really good this year. Their defense has actually played very well over the last couple of weeks. There, I think they were number five in the, you know, the DBOA rankings, which is very high for them. And then the offense, I still think is going to do enough. They still have a lot of dynamic players. So I have them as a full like touchdown, better than league average. I know Denver won last week, but I think Drew Locke absolutely sucks. I still have Denver as, like, three points worse than league average. So that's a big That's something you haven't heard a lot of.
0: I feel like the Drew Locke critics have been hidden all season. No one's talking about how the Broncos were supposed to be this big old offense that everyone's scared of. Haven't really seen much of it
1: lately. Haven't seen much of it. And you know what the funny thing is, Steve? I think Locke is worse than people gave him credit for at the beginning of the year. Mm -hmm. And I think all the wide receivers that people were – you know, saying like, oh, it's all about Cortland Sutton and maybe Judy, all these other guys suck. Like, Tim Patrick looks pretty good. KJ Hamler's made some catches. Like, uh, what's the other guy, Deshaun Hamilton? Like, you know, they have, they have some good young wide receiver talent over there. No offense to
0: the tight end, too, I believe.
1: Oh, um, no offense, very good. I, I just think that, like, Drew Locke is not the answer. Like, they, if they, to me, they're in the market for a quarterback again because I don't think he's very good.
0: Interesting. I think they should be, too but not that many people think that way. But with his injuries, you you think they would? I digress. Let's move forward to a marquee matchup here at 4 p.m. This is when everyone will be watching. The Kansas City Chiefs are three-point favorites on the road against the struggling Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tampa Bay plus 165 on the money line over under is 56 points. Tom Brady, I don't know what happened to him. He's having these moments this season where his, like, just brain gives out and he just starts doing very uncharacteristic quarterback things. Like, it's not even that it's uncharacteristic of him. It's just, like, I don't know what kind of quarterback does the things he's been doing. He forgets what down it is. He's just throwing picks to the other team at the start of two-minute drills. Um, and if you didn't watch the game last night, that's what I'm referring to. Then you have the Chiefs on the other side. A Mahomes-Brady matchup, and the Chiefs are coming off one of the most electric comebacks, you could say, of their season, if not the season. We mentioned it. They scored in seconds after the Raiders put together a go-ahead drive and just silenced the team that everyone thought would hold the edge on them in the division. So they got over that hump. The Bucs can't get over any winning teams' hump. The Bucs can't beat a good team. I'm betting the Chiefs. The Bucs can't beat anyone good. That's basically the point I'm getting at. I don't know what happens to Brady against good teams, but he can't figure it out. And I like the Chiefs. I liked them last week. I like them this week.
1: Yeah, I mean, I bet them earlier in the week on Sunday they were minus two and a half before the Tampa Bay game on Monday night and noodle on Brady throwing the interception at the end to kind of break it down. I will say this, and, and I'm, I'm – again, small sample sizes are something I try to avoid because being a numbers person, I, you know, you just – you need data before you can say something's true. But you look at the back end of last year with Brady and how he fell off after a really good start to the season starting to get cold i mean i know i'm old man sometimes i roll out of bed and my back hurts and he's getting hit by 350 pound guys and stuff like that so i don't know if he's falling off because he's not 100 percent healthy but tom brady is a, a great quarterback and i it pains me to say that as a jets fan right but at the same point in time like father time is undefeated everybody everybody gets old and at some point you can't perform to the same level and i think that what people fail to realize is that defense was so good at the beginning of the year. Like this isn't the, we're going to put everything on Tom Brady's back and ask him to win for us. This is the, the John Elway with Terrell Davis at the end of his career, where the defense was supposed to help carry him. And he was just supposed to do enough, not to lose games for them. Like Jameis did last year, losing all yep. those games with the interceptions. That was kind of the the game plan. So when you ask him to go out there though, and beat good teams, like again, the Rams pretty good defense. like, you're asking them to go out there and beat a pretty good defense it's i don't know if he still has that in him.
0: for me it's not that they're not going to do that more times than not you know obviously they have a winning record they're competing for the division which i think the saints are pretty much all but one at this point but come playoff time i think there's a, a you're foreshadowing here a chance for brady to go on the road as a wildcard team and just lay an egg and I'm looking at that as a gambler just down the road. I think whoever it is, I don't know if I trust Brady even in the first round this postseason, which is something crazy to say. Whereas you have Mahomes on the other side. I just don't see how they don't run away with this. But it would be that defense. It's got to be that Bucks defense that gets after Mahomes. But they did not look great against no,
1: – You're not going to shut down Patrick Mahomes. So really, if you were going to win this game and you're at Tampa Bay – you need Tom Brady to play like peak Tom Brady and go out mm-hmm. there and throw for like 350 and complete 72 75% of his passes and just absolutely dink and dunk this team to death. That's what you need, and I don't think you're going to get it here, which is why I, I would be on the Kansas City side of this. Um, remember, too, uh, Tampa Bay played on Monday night, so they're on short rest this week, mm-hmm. and that is one of the better and, and underrated angles out there when you got a team on more rest. Um, you know, you definitely have to adjust your numbers for it. So my number on this game actually came out to Chiefs being five points better. My number came out to three and a half with home field. And then, you know, the short rest made it four and a half for me. So like I said, I bet this earlier in the week at two and a half. If I have to make a play now, if we're making a pick, give me Kansas City at minus three and a half.
0: So with that said, I actually was going to make a joke that Brady's going to have to do what Derek Carr did. But then I'm like... Let's let's not give Derek Carr any compliments when we don't need to. I just tried to hold it in. I just wanted to, it was too good to not say like Brady, play like Derek Carr. Like, when would I ever I would have never thought I'd have to say some shit like that, but I digress. Let's move forward. The Bears on the road on Sunday night, seven and a half point underdogs against the division rival NFC North Green Bay Packers. Seven and a half point favorites. There is no money line on this game on Bet Online. Over-under is 45 think that over-under is so low because the Bears' offense is just incapable of really doing anything. Um, normally, these games are played tight. Uh, the Bears like to get after and make Rodgers' life hell most of the time. the two-play. Uh, Khalil Mack infamously goes off against the Packers. I don't know if he'll be able to take over the game and kind of win it for the Bears like he's done in the past. But the Packers are going back home, and this is going to be a bounce-back game for them. Just don't see a situation where the Packers don't pull this one out especially on prime time with Aaron Rodgers. And you don't even know who the Bears quarterback is going to be.
1: What's the the number you have?
0: Seven and a half.
1: Yeah, I mean. I I don't love it.
0: I don't love the number. I just don't see how the the pack. Yeah,
1: my number is seven and a half, eight. Uh, Very interesting matchup, though. Green Bay, uh, number two ranked offense, and Chicago DVOA, number three ranked defense. So strength versus strength here. The problem for me is, like, Green Bay's defense is, like, middle of the pack. and Chicago has one of the, like, three or four worst offenses in the league with either quarterback, because we have seen some games with Mitch and some games with, with Foles. I thought Foles was a little bit better. I was bumping them up a little bit for that. I feel like I was wrong. Yeah, um, Mitch was. I guess I, 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 got rookie, I got lucky even though I was wrong, because that's when we went on that streak and started winning Chicago bets every week. So a couple money lines. Hit what from a time. I mean, again, it's de- like, their defense is legit nasty. They have, like, a championship-winning caliber defense, with, like, a five-cent offense, and it's so sad to see.
0: They can't do anything. I mean, so, unless something changes, it looks like Cordero Patterson's going to be the lead horse in that backfield again. I just can't take it seriously. I just can't take it seriously. The offense is just so inept. Allen Robinson's just dying out there, and yeah. I, I don't know what's going on with them. Matt Nagy's not even calling the plays anymore. They're giving it over to Bill Lazor, so I don't, I, don't, I don't know.
1: Matt and Nagy's another uh... – you want you want to hear something funny? Matt Nagy, I think he either followed or proceed. No, he proceeded because I think he was there when I was there. He preceded Joe Flacco at the University of Delaware as a starting quarterback. Really? Yes, very interesting. He's an, he's another University of Delaware guy. We're all no, over the place, CFL Matt. guy. Well, he was the CFL, but I'm saying like he went to college in the uh, at the University of Delaware. He may have went to the CFL after that, but
0: yeah, and then he became a coach and then did whatever. Or that might be Mark Tressman. I might be mixing the two Bears coaches up. I think
1: you are, actually.
0: Yeah. There's yeah. a lot of mind-fucking going on in this episode. <laughs> um, with that said, uh, Packers is my play. I'm going to take the Packers. The, But, again, I want to remind the people, and this is why I ended up betting the Raiders, because there is a consensus you know, on Sunday night again. And I watch those things, and I could love the Packers. If everyone picks the Packers on Sunday night, I might have to play the number on the Bears especially if it's still at seven and a half. If I get this at eight, it's funky. Telling you, it plays a factor. The Raiders didn't uh, didn't win outright, but I played the number and they covered. And that's what matters, Benny. It's a proven thing. Now, maybe we don't get cocky, but we bring it to a science. They'll always cover the spread. Not always win but at least cover the spread.
1: You got you to gotta track You gotta track this. You got to track how many times it's happened and how many times it comes off. We, might, we one, might have something here.
0: The one time I remember that an underdog did went win out, right, it was the Jets because they all picked the Patriots, but they also covered, and that was three weeks ago. I, I'll do it. I got to go back and do it. I don't know where I'll find the footage. Let's move over to Monday night, and this is a game that I can't wait to watch. It's a rematch of last year's postseason uh, first round. You have the Seattle Seahawks minus five favorites on the road against the Philadelphia Eagles. Five point dogs plus 205 on the money line. Over under is at 50 and a half. Ben, Carson went stinks. That's all I got for you.
1: Yes, he does.
0: Carson, Wentz stinks. Um, Carson Wentz went stinks. Carson went them last
1: worse week. Decisions, he makes worse decisions than a drunk 19 year old.
0: Yeah. It's bad. It's bad. He can't help himself. And even against Seattle's defense that can't really stop anything, Carson went stinks. I don't know. I, I'm disheartened in this game. This is a Monday night game. Seattle should take care of business here. There's no question Seattle uh, should take care of business here. Russell Wilson should figure it out against an Eagles D that just is not very good. Mm-hmm. I mean... Oh, I
1: there. absolutely agree. What, what's the number we have here?
0: Five. I have it at five. And I also think Fletcher Cox might be out for this game, which would be gigantic. An even bigger loss to this Eagles defense.
1: Yeah, I have this... Um... I have Seattle on a neutral field being six – like six and a half to seven points better. So, at uh, Philly, I would say it's probably down to like five and a half would probably be my number. Um, So, at five and a half, I mean, I'm pretty much on market here. I do like Seattle. That would be my pick to win this game. I I just – dude, Carson Wentz made some stupid – passes there like really bad like it wasn't even just like bad play like it was like boneheaded plays and again the defense isn't good like I don't think the Eagles are very good Seattle at least I think their offense is good I'm not a big fan of their defense but their offense is good I don't see any way that the Eagles stop them um I would be very very surprised if the Eagles pulled out a victory night
0: I won't be surprised because it's not going to happen. The the Eagles can't stop themselves. It was watching that game early on, and and it's the same thing that happened in the Giants game. The Eagles start out their first drive, and they have the script, and they're doing well, and then it happens. And this game, it happened to be a pick six. But you just give Carson Wentz enough time, he's going to do some shit. He's going to do some dumb shit, and that was some dumb shit. So let's run through this real quick. Actually, you know what? Let me get to a couple games here. We always have some that we leave off the slate that I just want to touch on real quick. Giants five and a half point favorites on the road against the Bengals. Just going to note that number is too low for my G men off a buy. I know they've only been favorited one other time this season and they did not cover. They did win that game. I liked them by a touchdown against the Bengals, led by Ryan Finley. And then we have a game. I wanted to get your take on in the Cleveland Browns minus six and a half on the spread on the road against the Jags. Is this another popular teaser play for you this week? Do you like, Another team on the road against the Jacksonville Jaguars.
1: Yeah, I mean, you basically talked about both of my teaser plays, Miami and Cleveland. I'm taking two road teams this week, which I know is not the ideal thing to do. But I just don't see Jacksonville beating Cleveland. And I just don't see the Jets beating Miami. And all I need, if I tease both of those from six and a half down to, you know, negative a half, is these two teams. You're basically saying you need Cleveland to win and you need Miami to win. Cleveland is minus 295 on the money line. Miami is minus like 300-ish on the money line, somewhere around there. I mean, your numbers may be a little different. These are just the numbers that I I had written down like earlier in the week when I was looking at this stuff. So you're telling me that you have two teams that are minus 300, which is basically what both of those numbers are at. Uh, Both of those teams have a 75% chance to win the game. That's what those numbers are telling you. So I will gladly take Cleveland with a 75% chance, because I even think that's low. I think they have about a 90% chance of beating Jacksonville. So if that was if that number was 9-1, to one, I would still be like, yeah, I don't think that's crazy. And um, the same thing on the Miami side. Like, you know, I, I just don't see – if Miami plays the Jets 10 times, I see Miami winning nine of those games. So even that number, I think, is low. So basically for me, the teaser of the week, bring Miami down to half a point, bring the Cleveland Browns down to half a point, and at the end of the day, just – Take the easy money, man. Take the easy money. Don't, try, don't mess with this Chargers team that could put up five touchdowns against Buffalo in some crazy game like okay. Cleveland, Miami. Easy money.
0: Point taken. I felt like that was a direct shot. It's all right. Two, minus 280 for both of them at Bet Online AG for the money line on both those games. Same line. So, same money well, line. Well, you
1: know what? That's actually a little bit um, – it's actually come down a little bit. Like I said, the opening on both of those was right around 300. 295 and 305 was the opening. Gotcha.
0: Well, let's run through this. I'll let the people know what I'm feeling. Love Detroit. First game on Thanksgiving. We are going with that Dolphins-Browns teaser. Those are two of our picks as well. We'll count that in here. I'll go for the show record. For the sake of what is right, I'll take the Cowboys. I don't feel good about it. I'll take the Cowboys. Um, The Baltimore-Pittsburgh game is contingent on it actually playing, but we'll take Pitt. I'll take the minus four um, over is my play in that Buffalo game, but we'll get a pick and a side in five and a half for the bills. I don't want to go five straight home teams here, but I might have to in the Colts. Uh, I, you're making me feel like the Colts. You know what? No, I'm taking the Titans. Let me take the Titans. We have to disagree. I'm taking the Titans three and a half here. Then we have three straight road teams. Actually, I have here then. We have the Saints minus five and a half. I like them on the road against Denver. Denver is not going to be able to do that again. I just don't believe it. And then the Chiefs in minus three against the Bucks, who can't find themselves right now. Uh, Packers, I don't love the seven and a half. I'll take the seven and a half for the show. And then give me Seattle minus five. Um, Benny, anything I miss? Anything else you like?
1: No, I mean, you hit th- – this is a strange week for me because I feel like I'm on – I feel like a lot of the teams that I'm on are the teams that are at like the seven and a half instead of the six and a half. You know what I mean? Like, so I'm not I'm not getting a lot of numbers in my favor. So I feel like that's a good sign because basically when a number goes from seven to seven and a half, like when when they have to put that half on there, it's basically saying like, man, if we left us at seven, everybody would hammer it knowing that they're going to get the push on it. Because six and a half would be a number that people would be betting like, you know, their mortgages on. Yep. But whenever it's on that side, I feel like I did a good job handicapping, but I don't know if there's a lot that I like to bet. So my best bets are Cleveland, Buffalo, and Miami are the three that I like the most. And like I said, I'm playing Cleveland and Miami as teasers. But I think you could even bet all three of those on the money line, probably get you around even money. Mm-hmm. I don't hate that bet too, if you're somebody who throws in uh, some parlays there. Um, not the way that I play, to be honest with you, but you know, if you're just looking to have some fun and throw that stuff in, they're all one o'clock games, so you'll know if you won or lost at four o'clock there. You might get a little sweat out of it.
0: Someone on Twitter asked me two questions in the same question, and it was, uh, What is the most successful way to gamble and what can win you the most money? And I didn't have enough characters to write out the most successful way to gamble isn't always going to make you the most money. Oh, no, not at all. Complete, <laughs> a, I, honest, I didn't know how to say it. It's a
1: so here, I, I mean, I'll explain it real quick here. Yeah. If you're looking to make the most money, what you want to do is take some like literally 100, like a 99 to one shot means that the book thinks that whatever that is has a 1% chance of happening. Yep. But if you bet all the money that you have on that 99 to one shot and that 1% chance comes out, that's how you make the most money. It's also the quickest way to go broke, which is probably what you're going to wind up doing by doing that more often than not. So I would not recommend doing it. Now, what was the other thing? What's the best way to gamble? The what's most the
0: successful thing? way. The, uh, the, the most successful way.
1: Yeah, again, the most successful way is to listen, here's the most successful way. I'll give it all to you right here, Steve. Very easy. I actually wrote an article about this over on FTN Bets. You go over there, you go over to the 101 part there, and you can read it. Every one of these online sports betting sites right now are trying to get new clients so they are offering deposit bonuses that give you extra money on top of what you deposit so you should maximize whatever the number of amount of money you need to do to maximize the deposit is go out there and maximize that deposit don't bet anything they also offer every day like if you play i know you play on DraftKings and FanDuel, so you see them all the time they offer odds boosts they offer like you know special odds on, on certain things. They offer like these bonus 20% bets and all that stuff. Don't make any bet that isn't like a 20% odds boost bet or a, you know, like a, a, a some kind of like bonus that you're getting for the bet there. They offer them every day. And the whole point of them is that the book knows they're going to lose money on it. So if they know they're going to lose money, that means you are going to win money. Now, again, most of the time, these are like fifty to a hundred dollar max bet. So you're not gonna get like rich off these things. But if you keep winning fifty to a hundred dollars over and over and over and over and over again, you could theoretically if you make I think it's four of these bets a day and there's like five or ten of them that they offer you. But if you make four a day and you're supposed to win over fifty percent if you're getting odds boost on them. So maybe you win like fifty five percent of these bets. You could turn a thousand into two thousand dollars in like two months just by winning like two of these four bets that you make every day.
0: I also advised he had asked about player props. He was asking specifically in FanDuel. And so FanDuel, I said, if you kind of want to be a casual better and just like use the app and what they have going on there, if you like player props, you do the same game parlay. But that's just,
1: you know. Well, here I mean, even, even player props. Player props are a lot easier to beat than the sides that we talk about and the totals that we talk about mm-hmm. here. Like, yeah. Those are those are where the most money comes in. So the books care about being right on the number with sides and totals a lot more. Player props, they don't they don't have big limits. Like you can't go and drop like 10 grand on a player prop. I mean maybe they'll let you like special special like permission to do something like that, but yeah for the most part there's a limit that's like a couple hundred dollars because they don't wanna they don't care if anybody plays them because they don't expect to lose a lot of money on them because they limit how much you could actually play. But for the average better out there, they're not betting a thousand dollars or something that would be too much for the, for a book to take your action on a player prop. If you're betting like 50 or a hundred bucks on, on every bet, the player props are so much easier to beat than trying to guess which sides are going to hit on some of these games. So that's another good way you can make some money right there. And you know what? I'm going to plug my site one more time. FTN bets. You get over there. We actually have a tool. It's called the prop calculator. And, um, It'll take you to – you type in whatever you want. So let's say you're like, all right, I think, uh, you know, Darius Slayton's going to score a touchdown this week. So you type in Darius Slayton, and it'll show you whatever state you're in. The best number – it'll show you all the sports books that have, like, Slayton to score as one of their props, and it'll tell you which one has the, the highest payout. So if you do that, kind of shop around for lines. We make it easy for you guys to shop around over on our site. So get over to FTN Bets, shop for the lines, and then go play them at whatever book you're at.
0: Listen to the man, check it out on FTN. Sounds like an amazing tool. Another thing I wanted to say was on that first touchdown bet, I think DraftKings sometimes gives you that insurance where up to a certain limit, too, on a first touchdown bet, yeah. whatever you play, it rolls over. if you score it, if he scores at any time, you get the money back.
1: I play one of those guys every single slate, I make that play. Yeah. Because, and honestly, the thing to do for anybody out there listening, the thing to do is find the guy – I know it sucks because you're taking the smaller odds on it, but find the guy who has the best odds to score a touchdown during that game. Like there's sometimes a guy that's like minus 150 to score. He might only be like plus 400 to score the first touchdown, Mm -hmm. but who cares? You bet 20 bucks at plus 400, you end up with 100 bucks for betting 20. And if this guy's minus 150 to score, that means there's a 60% chance he's going to score. So even if he doesn't get the first touchdown – you know, there's a 60% chance you're going to get your bet back and be able to do it again on the next game, or, you know, take that same 20 bucks and bet it on something else anyway. So there's really no reason not to play those. Those are the bonuses I'm talking about. You get bonuses like that, just keep playing all those bonuses, and sooner or later, you're going to slowly build that bankroll up to double what you started with. And then if you want to start losing money then by trying to do crazy stuff, by all means, go ahead and do it.
0: I love it. That was great. Solid advice, sound advice. Again, Couldn't fit all of that into one Twitter tweet, one tweet. I'm not a tweeter, not a Twitter person. I'm not, I don't love it. I'm just not committed to the game, but I know how to say it. I could speak it. I could tell you what I, what I'm feeling. But with that said, Benny, thanks for coming on as always. I feel really good about this slate. I'm really hoping Thanksgiving does not disappoint me. Although right now it seems like I'm betting all three home teams. So I guess home is where the heart is. And that's also where the money will be on Thanksgiving. Benny, thanks again. Check out FTM Bets, FTN Network. Benny is working his butt off over there, getting things done. Um, and I hope everything's going great for you.
1: Yeah, so far so good. I'm down, I'm down at the shore with the kids for the, for the Thanksgiving holiday, so I'm not complaining.
0: Happy Thanksgiving, yeah. That's right. Hey,
1: you too, man. Get, hey, listen, one thing I've been saying all week, man. Just think about one thing that you're thankful. I know this year sucks. But there's got to be at least one thing out there that you can be thankful for and be happy. So try to be happy for the next couple of days. Let's, let's all try to be a little happy. I think that'll be a better, better world if we are.
0: Yeah, and you know, the best advice I could give anyone is that who knows if you're actually able to see the people you want to spend Thanksgiving with, but still find a way to do it. Make the effort, make it happen. Home is where the heart is. That's what Thanksgiving's about. Home is where the heart is.
1: And Zoom is free, so no excuses. Yeah,
0: <laughs> all right, thanks, Benny.
1: Yep, anytime, bro.
0: That interview with Benny Ricciardi was brought to you by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, a big shout-out again to Benny for coming on and helping us extract value for this big Thanksgiving weekend of NFL action. A lot to look forward to. But more importantly, Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Spend time with the people you care about. Spend time with people you love. And if you can't spend time with them because of the pandemic, make sure you let them know that you're there, you care, and you're thankful. Follow us on Twitter. Be thankful for me at Pod as well as myself at Tino Rodriguez. Be sure to like, download, rate, and subscribe. Comment on all podcast platforms. Again, Happy Thanksgiving. Stay safe. Peace and love. Talk to you soon.